everyone. Welcome to Let's Celebrate. This is a weekly movie review podcast. Each episode, we take a look at some of our favorite movies. We hope you enjoy our show, and we encourage you to participate in discussion on social media or email about the episode or any episode you've listened to. If you enjoy listening to us, drop us a review over at iTunes or on your favorite podcast app. Share your favorite episodes with your friends. I'm Steve. And I'm Ryan. And we are here again tonight to um, talk not just movies this time. No, a little bit of everything. Yeah, so we will do a little bit of a few different things tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think we've really kind of enjoyed doing our top five lists recently, or at least our our kind of list shows we've done recently. I've, I've enjoyed those. I've enjoyed them. So we're going to stick to a very similar theme tonight. Mm-hmm. Um. And we are doing top five fictional inspirational characters. Um, yeah. Fictional inspirational characters to us. Not in general, but to us. Yeah, and the way that you know I was thinking about this and I brought it up to you was I watched this show on Apple TV called Ted Lasso. And it's, yes. you know, this joke about this football coach that becomes uh, – like British football, like soccer coach. And the character is just so lovable and positive and everybody likes them. I'm like, there needs to be more shows like this that are just kind of fun to watch. And you have like this warm hug feeling throughout. So I started thinking about uh, the most inspirational fictional characters for me that makes me want to be like a better person. Okay. Yeah. So I did the same thing and they're not just from movies. They could be from movie television or or fictional writing. Yes. Um, and we came up with five each. Mm-hmm. And I, I threw a couple honorable mentions on there. I don't know if we'll have any uh, overlaps. We may have one based on my yeah. list. But I don't think we'll have the rest. Yeah, and a thing for me, I don't know about for you, the way I did it is I am thinking of it as me that makes me want to be a better person. Yes. You know, as a father as a man and everything like that so mine are very skewed heavily towards male as um, mine. i talked to i talked to my daughter my older daughter uh lily and we did this too and she was telling me hers and one of hers would be katniss you know if yeah. i was just doing most inspirational characters overall she would probably be one for me you know okay. she's a very inspirational character but well, she doesn't make me want to be a better man you know I, she's good for teenage girls right i definitely wanted to say that as we started as well because mine are mine are all male characters as well um sorry mine are all white males so oh oh mine's not there you go um but uh it's not that i don't find females inspirational it's just when i'm specifically looking at this from my point of view as we go through my list, you'll see kind of why these people are inspirations to me. And it, and it has to mm. do with my being a dad in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, exactly. Same with me. You know, it, it inspires me to be a better father figure, you know, things like that. So, um, so I think you went first last time. I think, I don't know. You're staring at me like, who knows? Did, did, no, you, you kind of. There you go. You're back. Okay. Oh, okay. We're. What did you say? I said I think you went first last time, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So you want me to start with number five? Yep. You go with your number five. All right. Um, made this number five because I've talked about him a lot before. Um, talked about my tattoo and everything like that. But my number five is Superman. Um, as an inspirational character, he makes me want to be a better person, a better human being. Everything like that. Um, didn't really want to talk too much about that because I've done it all before. But again, you know, my favorite panel of anything is All-Star Superman. Just when in between all of this great stuff he's doing, he's able to go on to the ledge and talk this person that's having a really bad day off of committing suicide and takes the time just to be there for them. That is my idea of like a very inspirational person. Okay. I you know what Superman is a hundred percent an inspirational person. Um, spoiler alert: I specifically kept superheroes off of my list, uh, which I actually only let me have one. This actually made it difficult because I could have put so many superheroes on the list, and it actually yeah. made it a little bit difficult to say no. I'm going to specifically set them to the side 
and not include superheroes. But if I was going to include one, it would have either been Superman or um, Captain America. Yes, those those are the top two. I'd also put um, Spider-Man Peter Parker on there. Or even Spider-Man Miles Morales. Miles, Just, I would probably put Miles Spider-Man. Morales over Peter Parker. Yeah, but like both of them for me is just like yeah. very inspirational. Again, just trying to be a good person for your community. Yep. So, but yep, stayed with one. Yeah. So, so I I specifically kept it off, but you can't argue with it at all. Um, my number five is it's an interesting one, and it's it's the last one I was trying. It's the last one I thought of as I'm going through things that I really enjoy to watch or read or whatever. It's a character who um, aspires to be human. And he he sees humanity with all of its faults and wants to be that that person. And it's Data from Star Trek. Okay. I'm not inspired by his logic and his super strength and all this other stuff. It's his drive to be human. Data is... A perfect creation, right? And he's his desire is to be imperfect. Um, his desire is to be a human, and I think there's something to be said about accepting the faults of humanity. That's another theme you're going to see throughout my my five picks: accepting the faults in ourselves, accepting the faults in humanity, and still wanting to be the best you can be. I don't think there's another character in anything that that epitomizes that like Data does. Mm-hmm. So why did you go with Data over Spock? Because they both kind of have that same kind of personal- personality, and they did the same thing on their show. So why did you pick that? Just are you a bigger Next Generation, or is there something with Data that you like more? I yeah, I mean, I am a better, a bigger Next Generation fan, but I think it's it's Data represents that drive more than Spock does. I think Spock, in a lot of ways, tries to control his humanity. Mm-hmm. And tries to keep his emotion out. Now he's not always successful at it, but he tries to keep the Vulcan there. Whereas Data is going the entire opposite direction. He's trying to embrace the imperfections. And okay. I mean, he gets the emotion chip at one point. And I I love this scene. And, and I can't. I, there have been so many Star Trek movies. I don't remember which one this is. Where they're crashing the Enterprise into a planet, and Data's cracking up. He's laughing up a storm. And they're like, Data, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I don't know. This is funny. <laughs> and you know it's it's just these imperfections that data knows humanity has because he knows everything about humanity from a logical standpoint mm-hmm. and he wants to be a part of that imperfect being i think that's just to me that's something that is it, it's it's something to admire uh, you know accepting imperfection mm-hmm. okay that's a good one yeah i can see that on your list yeah Anybody that knows you, I don't think would be surprised with that one. Probably, you're probably not going to be surprised with most of mine once I explain them. Yeah. All right. So, uh, my number four, honestly, he would be higher, but I didn't want to be number one, be such a cliched answer. But my number four, um, and all of these now are very similar that they're good either role models or fathers or something like that. Sometimes they're both. Mm-hmm. But my number four is Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. You can't go wrong. He's on my honorable mentions list. Mm-hmm. Now, this is... Um, I never read the sequel where he kind of turns like to a senile racist or something like that. No, you have to stick to To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, so I don't know anything about that because I don't want to poison or ruin my you know, feeling on him. But both the book... And, you know, Gregory Peck's performance in the um, movie is just perfect. I mean, this is what I want to be as a dad. You know, if I could be half of as good as Atticus is. And think about this, too. Atticus Finch is doing this at a time where the emotional father is not the norm. No. It is not normal for him to listen to both sides of his children in an argument, you mm-hmm. know, it is much more normal and much more common at that time to to look at the son and believe the son over the daughter. And mm-hmm. Atticus Finch doesn't do that. It's 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 a fantastic pick. 
Yeah. And like he has Copernicus there, so it's not by himself, but he is raising those kids. He is a big part of their life. Mm-hmm. Never understood why he didn't go to the like um like play on Halloween when the whole stuff with Boo Radley, but that's a different thing. Yeah. But I mean like he is there and he's also trying to be a good person in everyday life. Um every time I see the movie where you know, he loses the case and then he's leaving and everybody stands up for him up in the balcony because he said, you know, we stand as he passes every time I cry every time because, you know, he is just such a good embodiment of, like I said, humanity and what I want to be in life. You're right. To this day, when was when was um, To Kill a Mockingbird the movie? 62. 62. OK, so early 60s, we'll go with 62. Yeah. To this day, so we're talking, you know, 70, 80 years later, he is still the, or, you know, I shouldn't, he's still the epitome of a father. Mm-hmm. And to, for a character to stand the test of time for that long and still be the epitome of a father, everything you've mentioned is the same reason I almost put him on my list. Yeah, and between the two of us, we have four girls. Yeah. You know, we each have two girls. No boys. (laughs) No boys, yeah. We all have girls. So, you know, that relationship between him and his daughter, Scout, is beautiful. It really is. You love it in the book. And, like, it's told from her perspective. So, yes, he does have an older boy. But the book and the movie is told from the perspective. So, you know, I get really even more soft and blubbery when there's this story with fathers and daughters and there's just so many. And like, again, I love the book and that's where I'm going, but the movie is just perfect. Um, Gregory Peck is perfect. And when I think of Atticus Finch, I just see him on that swing out in the front of their porch, you know, having um, scout in his lap or laying on his thing and just like rubbing her back. That is the exact scene. I think of every time you mention the word Atticus Finch. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's for the same reason. You know, I have two girls. And oddly enough, when I when I had my first girl, um, I was I didn't care. Like, I just wanted a healthy child, right? And I'm not saying I didn't oh, want a healthy you child. You didn't care about your kid? I'm like, no. Okay. I didn't care which gender it was. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like hey, whatever. I want just a healthy child. But with, with my second child, having had Brie... And really growing up with a girl and stuff like that, I really wanted another girl. Um, Same with me. And I got one. And I'm very fortunate to have two girls. And I know some people will say, oh, but you're missing out without a son and this, that, and the other. But I'm not missing out on anything, man. I got two girls and it's fantastic. Yeah, same with me. Because, I mean, like, yeah, I would have loved having a boy, but the two girls are, like, my life. I mean, I would do anything for them. Um and like I said, it's funny because I was always like a person that would be emotional in movies. But my God, anything that has to deal with fathers and daughters now, it just gets to me. Like right. once you have that kid, your emotions are that much more. And anytime that there's something with it, it just gets to you. I will never watch Father of the Bride again. I don't think I could handle it. It's like a horror story for me, you know. They're doing a uh, – uh, they just did the Princess Bride table read, right? Yeah, in the father of the bride. Yeah, and they just they did, did that one too. For that too. Yeah. Yep. So that was kind of, I didn't I didn't unfortunately I should have donated because I've heard both were fantastic. Yeah. But but yeah, so um that and like that will come in my list again is, you know, fathers and daughters. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, Atticus Finch and like I said, honestly he'd probably be higher, but I think it's a little too cliched because when you say good person Atticus Finch. I think he was like when AFI did their hundred heroes. I think he was number one. So it's not like um treading this, ground or this having a hot take. Here. Yeah, this isn't a hot take here. This is this is not like whoa, Ryan, stop the presses here. We need to talk about this for a few minutes. Yeah, I, I didn't pick like the Zodiac Killer from Zodiac. So no, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> hey, inspiration. He, he had interesting dinner parties. He did. Um, so my number four is also a good father and you and i have talked about this character a lot because his son is an asshole Mm -hmm. um and every time his son max does something it pisses me off because all 
Goofy wants to do is be a good dad. Mm-hmm. And so Goofy is my number four. Yeah, I, and it's funny because Goofy for the people born, I'd say, after 1990 is totally different than, like, the Goofy we grew up with. Oh, right. Goofy we grew up with was bumbling, you know, kind of silly, an idiot and everything like that. And now he's this great dad. He really is. He's a great dad. I mean, when he loses his job, he goes back to college to take care of his son. You know, there it still pisses me off every year. My girls love the Mickey Mouse Christmas stuff. You know, once upon a Christmas, once twice upon, upon a Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And there's that one where Max brings home the girlfriend. And he's embarrassed. And he's embarrassed. And all Goofy is doing is trying to really have a good time and show, you know, the love of the family. Goofy's a single dad, man. And... Come home and visit your dad. Yeah. I credit single parents. Single dads, single moms. Obviously, from my standpoint, it it would be a single dad. I credit them with so much because that can't be easy. And the love he shows for Max, man... Every parent should try to show that kind of love for their kid. And he's also, obviously his name is Goofy, he's not afraid to be silly. He's not embarrassed about his love for his son. No, he's not. He'll do anything for him and show that anytime. Yeah. You know, he does some really goofy things, um, but it's all in the name of loving his kid. And, you know, I I try my best to be the kind of dad that Goofy is. You Maybe know, without trying to like murder yourself all the time, but I mean, I do that sometimes too. When I'm decorating for Christmas, fall off the roof, you know. Mhm. Um, you know, there was a time I was in Disney World and it was just Bree was really young. She was like 3. And uh the parade goes by, right? And they have a dance party, so they stop. And you can go out in the street and dance and all these parents are standing back like, "Uh, no." And I just grabbed Bree's hand, and she and I just jumped out in the middle of the parade and started dancing in front of everybody at Disney World, because who cares, right? Um, so that's kind of what I want to be, is is I want to be, to my kids, what Goofy is to Max. Even mm. though Max doesn't realize it. Max is an unappreciative asshole. <laughs> yes, he is. He does typically come around by the end of every movie or episode, but... It takes him way too long. It, it takes him way too long. And, you know, Goofy is... Goofy's just a classic dad, and I think, again, you see the theme. Trying to be a good person, trying to be a good dad to your kids. Mm-hmm. So that's my number four. All right. So my number three, um, it's from a teen show, from a TV show. Okay. Um, Sandy Cohen from The O.C., played by Peter Gallagher. Okay. I've maybe seen two or three episodes of that show. So pretty much what the epi- what the TV show is about is – it's this really rich family that lives um, in the OC, you know, has this beautiful uh, mansion overlooking uh, the ocean and everything like that. And he's a lawyer because his wife is loaded because she's a real estate developer for Southern California. So he gets to be pretty much a pro bono lawyer. He sees this kid from Chino and in the OC world, Chino is like Afghanistan. I'm pretty sure. Uh, (laughs) Okay. And like he's uh, takes care of him and he tries to take care of him and notices his mom's not around. He has to go to juvie and he's getting beat up. So he brings him home to his house and he has a um, son, Seth, um, about the same age, very nerdy, um, you know, comic book kid and everything like that. And he brings this like juvenile delinquent to his home because he feels bad for him and he sees that he's got a good heart. And okay. um, that's what the whole show's about. I mean, like, it's a teen show, so it's mostly about the teenager, the son, um, Seth and Ryan, and then the ne- girl next door is uh, Marissa, played by Misha Barton, and Summers in it, played by Rachel Bilson. And those are the four big ones. But even as a, it was on when I was right out of college, so like I was 22, I still loved Sandy Cohen the most. Okay. This show, didn't it start, and I've lost his name all of a sudden, but he plays um, he plays the detective on Gotham, mm-hmm. married to Marina Baccarin. Isn't that him? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's him. Okay. I know which show it is. Uh, I, Benjamin, I, God, I, can't, I can't think of his last name now. Yeah. I can't think but of it yeah, that, that's the guy. Okay. I have seen, like I said, maybe two ben or three McKenzie. episodes. Ben McKenzie, that's right. I've seen maybe two or three episodes of that show, so mm-hmm. I can't weigh in on this. But uh, quite frankly, 
Peter Gallagher's kind of cool anyway yeah. in most roles. I mean, like, most stuff that Peter Gallagher's in, I really like him because he's got this really likable personality. But in this, like I said, his wife is loaded. He has all this money. He's deeply in love with her. It's not like he married her for her money. He's in love with her, you know? So mm-hmm. he's got this really strong family. It's him, his wife, um, Kristen, and their son, Seth. And they bring in this kid. And within, like, an episode, they're just treating him like he's one of their own. And, you know, I am a teacher now. And there's many times the name Sandy Cohen has become a verb in my family. Because yeah. I tell my wife all the time, I'm very close to Sandy Cohen, this kid. Because <laughs> um, if I could, I would have, like, four or five kids in our house probably all the time because if I had a house like that, I would do that. You know, I would take these kids and be like, you can stay here. I will take care of you. I will love you. I will support you. I will be behind you and everything like that. So, um, I just like, like I said, even when I was closer to the age of all of them, I still loved Sandy Cohen. You know, I love my dad. I'd never replace my dad, but a lot of these, it's like, if I had to have another dad, I'd like it to be Sandy Cohen. So, you know, I, I like that concept because I have a friend of mine who's a teacher as well. And and she had a student that was very much the same way. And I didn't know, obviously, anything about Sandy Cohen, but it's very much that. I mean, she used to say, if I could take this kid and just pick him up from his home and put him in my home, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I admire those kind of things. And if that's what Sandy Cohen was and, and, and his character, then, yeah, he's on the list in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, I admire people who can do that and who pe- people who want to take on, you know, troubled kids from the other side of the train tracks or something like that and give them a better life. You know, that see the good in those kids yeah. because, you know, I used to be a teacher too. And, and on top of that, just being around youth, it's so easy, right? To give up on kids. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to look at a kid and be like, man, that kid is a fuck up and never going to amount to anything. And the much more difficult road is to say, hey, that kid's a screw up, but he needs attention and love and care and to do what apparently Sandy Cohen did for, for mm-hmm. these kids. So I can't argue with that. So what's your number three? My number three is going to go a direction kind of like yours did in that you're probably not going to know who mine is. Um, My number three is a character from one of my favorite book series. And the character's name is Tannis Half-Elven. Tannis Half-Elven is the main character in a series of books that got me into fantasy to begin with called Dragonlance. Um... Dragonlance is the world that's built on it. These three books that I read originally are called the the, the Chronicles Trilogy. Um, and it follows this group of characters who the gods have left the world. Um, they have gone out. So we pick up the characters like 10 years after they have split each other and they've gone off their separate ways. And they come back together. They've gone out to find the gods or find something. And they come back 10 years later to, to figure out, hey, what have we found? Everything else. Tannis is kind of their leader. And uh, along the way, again, a similar thing with, with Data. Tannis is completely flawed. Tannis is half-elven, which means he's half-elf, half-human. Um, he's not accepted in either world. Uh, he hides his pointy elf ears under long human hair. So Tannis is, to put it in your perspective, very much a Strider-esque character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a ranger. He is... very. Uh, the similarities are very, are very strong because he's got the duality of love, right? He's got two women in his life, just like Strider did. Um, and throughout the trilogy of books, he explores all that. And... The struggle is there's a lot of internal struggle with Tannis throughout these these three books. Uh, eventually, he he does become like the hero, and he is the hero of the whole thing. But it's not for it's not for lack of trying to mess it up. Like he he really has to fight hard to do the brave right things. Right? They always say that. Uh, 
bravery isn't not having fear. Bravery is having fear and, and doing it anyway, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what Tannis did. I mean, Tannis, if you, I'm not, I can't give away the whole series, but he takes on so much throughout the books. And one of the reasons I can't give it away is because I'm actually running the game in Dungeons and Dragons for a group who hasn't read the books. And if they listen to this podcast, I don't want to tell them what they're about to run into. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Um, so, Tanis is just... If you ever get a chance to sit down and read the Dragonlance Chronicles, the characters in the book are just incredibly written. Absolutely incredibly written. It's not as action-based as some of the other, like, Forgotten Realms, for example, with Driz Jordan. Um... This is much more character-driven, and Tannis is the lead of that. And I like the way he has to struggle with himself, and he has to struggle with all these outside influences and the way they change him and his heritage and, and, and hiding himself. You know, it, it kind of makes me think about how it's okay to be whatever you are, Right? Um, we talk about this a lot in society right now, and I think it, that's part of why that inspires me as well. You know, we talk mm-hmm. a lot about, hey, you know, love who you love or, you know, be who you are. Don't be afraid of the color of your skin or who, or, or your sexual orientation or anything like that. And it takes a lot of courage to be those things. And, and I, even though I'm going to be blunt here, I'm just a white guy, man. There, I don't really face the same challenges a lot of these people do. But I'd like to think that if I did, I could do like what Tannis and these people in real life do and stand up for them. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's on my list. That is like the most Steve answer that I think there ever has been. I have one that might top that in a minute. Top that. I might. But I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, if that's the most Steve answer, because it's into like Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, fantasy and high fantasy. It's like, what does it say that mine's like a teeny bopper show? <laughs> well, at least yours wasn't like Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> hey, the dad in that, all he wanted to do was run his sandwich shop. That's true. I feel bad. Peter ba- Deloise, that's all he wanted, could, man. Could we? Could one of our inspirations be the guy who ran Central Perk? What was that guy's name? Gunther. Gunther, yeah. I, dude just wanted to be a coffee guy. No, if we're going to go with that, it's going to be uh, the cabbage guy from Avatar. Or Soup Nazi. <laughs> soup Nazi. <laughs> no soup for you. <laughs> so, my number two, it's kind of a cheat because it's based on a real guy, but I know nothing about the real guy. Okay. I am doing it from an autobiographical biographical movie called okay. Almost Famous. Okay. And my number two is Lester Bangs. Um, played in the movie by the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. He is this mentor to our main um, character. And he's um, the main guy is a 15-year-old boy who's very smart, already getting ready to graduate uh, high school. He has been skipped ahead by his mom. And it's based on pretty much based on Cameron Crowe, the writer-director's life, because he used to write for Rolling Stone at a young age. Mm-hmm. And it's all about this kid that goes off who loves music and goes to tour with this uh, band called Stillwater, a band made up for the movie. But Lester Bangs is like his inspiration, the guy that he um, talks to on the phone and asks questions. And um, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's in two, maybe three scenes, but the impression that he left on me is everlasting Hmm. because he's got one of the best monologues in the end after everything goes wrong with William and he calls Lester and he says, you know, the best art in the world is, you know, shared by those that are uncool. And, you know, of course you wanted them to be your friend. They're cool. You're not cool. I've met you. And then like, you know, it keeps going on. He's like, he's like, well, you can call me anytime. I'm home. I'm uncool. (laughs) So just that whole part, Right. And um, the movie was such an eye-opening thing for me. I saw this movie when I was in college. Changed my major. I'm like, he's talking about music, but I thought the same thing with movies. I need to do something in movies. So I changed my major from what I was doing into um, journalism because I wanted to be a film critic. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I always thought I would be the main guy. I thought I was going to be 
writing about movies and everything like that. And I watched it not that long ago with my daughters. And I came to the realization, I am Lester Bangs. And that made me so happy. The guy that, yeah. Because now I am the guy that my students can call mm-hmm. or write. And I'll write them back. And I'll give them words of advice. And I will, you know, tell them, go get it. And do, you know, do those things that we both love. Mm-hmm. I'd, I wouldn't want to see anything better than you do what, you know, we talked about all the time. Um, right. There's tons of students that I have had that I've done that. And, you know, that just, when I had that realization, it really made me happy that I always thought I'd be the main guy, but I'm okay with being Lester Banks. It sounds like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's something to be said about being Siskel and Ebert, right? Mm-hmm. And and to be the guy that everybody knows because you you write your movie critiques or whatever. But there's... A lot more, in my opinion, to be said about being the guy who, like you said, people can call and ask opinions of. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Siskel and Ebert aren't the best example. But, you know, how many critics, whether you're food critics or movie critics or hotel critics or whatever, can just anybody call and go, hey, I got a question for you. What do you think about it? You can't do that. So mm-hmm. if this person is – if Lester is that character, then – I can see exactly why that fits into you. This is a very Ryan answer as well. Yeah, it's a very Ryan answer. And like I said, I don't know a thing about the real guy. I know he existed. He was a Rolling Stone critic. He wrote for Cream for a while. It's not about the main guy. It's about the version that Cameron Crowe had in his wonderful movie, Almost Famous. So. Right. Yeah, this is very much a movie or very much a, a, a pick for you. I mean, it, it incorporates two of your favorite things, which is teaching your students and and, and, and movies and film. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this is <laughs> this is very much a Ryan pick. Now I'm curious to who, to see who's going to be at the top of your list because this is that's a the most Ryan pick you've made. Yeah, no, the number one is very Ryan too. So nah, fair enough. My number one is not going to be shocking, but I'm still on my number two. Um, number one's the shark from Jaws, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like Everybody that. wants to be the shark from Jaws. Yes. Um. Or. Or you could be, um, shit, I lost his name, uh, The Revenant. DiCaprio? No, no, not DiCaprio. Well, DiCaprio's character. Oh. Hugh Glass. Yeah, Hugh Glass. You could be that guy. Who doesn't want to be that guy? (laughs) Yeah. No, like, I am part him because that man was just filled with, um, petty, you know, anger. That man, that man was too, he was, he would have been a barbarian character in D&D. Man Mm -hmm. too pissed off to die. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to crawl across most of, you know, the wilderness on broken legs. With my back missing. Yeah, just so I can kill this guy. (laughs) I'd be honest to God, I would... I would never want to go back to that time period, but if I could, I'd like to go back and just watch this guy from above, mm-hmm. like hover above him and watch his journey. Especially since the real life story, he gets there and he's like, oh, he joined the army. You can't touch him. And he's like, well, that sucks. And then he just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Well, he shows up at the first, at the first fort and they're like, oh, he just left. And they're like, and, and Hugh Glass is like, fuck. And so he just travels after him again. once he gets to him and he's like no he's untouchable because he enlisted he's like oh alright some people say some people say that Hugh Glass is still out in the wilderness somewhere (laughs) yeah still waiting his turn (laughs) um so my number two is might surprise you because of the character but won't surprise you when I share why uh and my number two comes from the wonderful book, Wonder, and it's Augie Pullman. Um, If you haven't read Wonder or seen the movie, I highly recommend both. Um, And here's why it's Augie Pullman, as opposed to anybody else in that movie, in that book, because it easily could have been the dad, I mean, or the mom, or it could have been anybody, but it's Augie, and and here's why. Um, A lot of you probably know that i i struggle with you know mental health and, and depression and things of that nature and augie's manifestations are physical 
Um, but it's the same kind of concept, right? He hides inside his spacesuit. You know, he doesn't want the world to see who he is. And that's who I was for a very long time. And I've, I've had some help. I've done therapy. And it wasn't easy, man. It's tough. And it's, it's something I still struggle with. But to look at him and look at the way he carries himself with his physical manifestations, when he takes the helmet off and you can see who he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the end of the movie, not only has everyone around him accepted him, I think for the first time, I should say the book, I guess, whatever, either way, he has accepted who he is as well. And that is a, I see a lot of myself in that. Um, I've gone through a pretty rough year, uh, or more, year and a half, I guess now, where I've really decided I was going to focus on mental health. Um, and I got some counseling and some therapy, and, and you know, as well as some, some people who listen who maybe are friends with me on Facebook, that I've made it a very public uh, struggle. And um, because that's part, of, that's part of what the struggle was, was an internal hiding inside of a spacesuit. I didn't want people to see that. Um, so Augie, when I, when I kind of look back at him, and I've read the book again since starting this whole journey, Augie mm-hmm. is really an inspiration because he takes that spacesuit off and he says, here I am. You can like me or you can piss off. And, you know, that's, that's really an inspirational thing for somebody like me who, who struggled with that a lot mentally. You know, I've, I've gone through my own journey. I've, I've had a friend of mine who I've gone through some pretty nasty shit with in the last year. Um, and it's just the struggle to be not perfect, the struggle to accept who you are, the struggle to let not just accept who you are, but let everybody else see who you are and be comfortable enough with that to say, this is me. And you can piss off if you don't like who this is. It's not going to bother me anymore. I don't care. Um, that really hits a pretty strong chord with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no way I, I couldn't have chosen Augie Pullman on my list. I mean, I've, I feel like I've taken that spaceship helmet off uh, a, a few months ago, finally. And it took me to some pretty dark places to get there. Yeah. Um, over the past, you know, 10 months. But I feel like that spaceship helmet finally came off and I, I had that Augie, Augie moment. Um, and, you know, this kid, if you actually read the book, man, this kid's an inspiration in and of itself. And to me, I, I can liken it to kind of my journey mentally with his journey physically. And, and that really inspires me to try to just say, hey, you know, this is who I am. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, good pick, you know, great way of saying it, so. Yeah, so that was my number two. Yeah, never read the book, watched the movie, really loved the movie, um, done by the same writer-director that did Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is, yeah. you know, in that same sort of vein, so. Yeah, the book, I mean, the movie does the book justice. It does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the book obviously hits a lot more emotional tones because you can do that in a book it's very very difficult in a movie to express that internal struggle that the book can create but uh yeah so get a chance if you get a chance read the book too i've 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 read the book too when i was a teacher i read it to my fifth graders Mm -hmm. uh we watched the movies or the movie um i now i i will admit i haven't read the other spinoff books like augie and me and things like that i don't know if they're any good or not I didn't even know there was spinoff books. Yeah, there are. There are some from like his sister's point of view. Oh, okay. Um, which would be an interesting read if you've, you know, because in one of the storylines is she thinks that she is losing her grip on attention and affection because they have to pay, pay uh, spend and, like, so much identity. time. Yeah, her identity. She is yeah. no longer her. She is now Augie's sister. Mm-hmm. So, and I like how they had all of those different perspectives that you see in the movie too. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the book is fantastic. So if you get a chance, you know, pick it up. I'll, I think most people have probably either seen the movie or read the book, one of the two by now. So mm-hmm. they it shouldn't come as a surprise about who the character is. 
I'm not going to ruin it for those of you who haven't. But uh, if you watch it or read it, you'll certainly kind of understand my comparison of, of, of the two and my parallels between the two. Yeah. There you go. A very good pick. Yeah. All right. You got number one? Drum roll? Yeah. yeah, here we go. All right. So let me tell you something. <laughs> um, whenever it starts with that in this show, I am just ready for it. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all times, probably my personal favorite, and I've talked to my daughters about this before, of probably the best show ever made, I think, is The Wire. Best acted, best written, best directed. I love it. It's in my uh-huh. top three. Mm-hmm. But my personal favorite, that it is like a warm blanket. I can watch it over and over again. I fall in love with the town. I fall in love with the characters. It's Friday Night Lights. Yep. Um, season one, three, four, and five. We and don't talk about We two. don't talk about two. But, you know, the show is just this slice of life, kind of um, living in a small town. Like, I don't really know about living in small town Texas, but every character is so fleshed out. Everybody is such a person. You understand their backgrounds, their lives, their families, and everything like that. And there's only one character that keeps everything going that is the biggest inspiration that if I could be this guy, I would want to be this guy. It's coach Eric Taylor of the um, Dylan Panthers. And then later on the East Dylan uh, lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he is just played by Kyle Chandler. Yep. Just wonderful. You know, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He does things that aren't really on the up and up sometimes for his team. But he always gets to that place of he is a good person and he has the good intentions. And um, he has the best marriage I've ever seen in TV or in movies, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I would also say the one from The Thin Man, but that's just my personal preference. But just a wonderful, loving marriage where Mm -hmm. they you can always tell they love each other. They might get mad at each other. They might have fights. They might be on opposite ends. But. At the end, the love comes back, and he has a daughter who he cares about, and then he has this team that he would do anything for, and he had some of the best inspirational locker room talks. Like, I'm a sucker for a locker room oh, talk. Yeah. Um, you know, Liverpool could have uh, used one. Hmm? Liverpool could have used one on the weekend. <laughs> yes, they could have. Um, their talk would have been, don't lose by five goals. Don't get seven dropped on you. Yeah. By fucking um, Aston Villa. Yeah, but, but yeah, not even one of the bigger ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he had, like, I'm a sucker for those speeches. Miracle, I love, you know, um, the inches speech in um, Any Given Sunday, the speech in Warrior, which is one of my favorite movies where it's like, um, if you want to quit, we can quit. You won't have a house. If you lose this, you don't have a house. You know, those kind of speeches. But right. Eric Taylor had them so often in the five seasons of this that it's just amazing. And it would make – so many of them make me cry. They just right. do. You know, if he starts out saying, well, let me tell you some of them. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, crap. I don't like when he starts out with that because nine out of ten times I'm going to be a mess by the <laughs> end. Um it's funny because I have watched the show through three different times. I'm on my fourth one because my daughters made the mistake of saying that they would watch it with me. Whoops. And we, you know, early in the show, one of the characters gets paralyzed and he goes and sees him and he just looks him in the eye and says, you're a good man. You're a good man. And it, it kills me because Kyle Chandler is such a good natural actor that you don't see. Like, I, I've seen him in other stuff. He's in right. tons of stuff. Right. But when I watch the show, he is Coach Taylor. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was going to point out I've I've only seen an episode here or there. I've never gotten into it like you do. Um, oh, it's on Hulu. Just stop. I know, but Kyle <laughs> right Chandler, now, just go. It's over there. Go. Well, I have to turn the TV on. That makes me get up from my chair. And, ah, did you miss the part where I'm on two hours of sleep? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Kyle Chandler to me. When I see him on a a picture of Friday Night Lights or something like that, Kyle Chandler fits that role so well, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm with you. I've seen him in other things. 
I've never really seen Friday Night Lights, but the only thing I see when I see Kyle Chandler is that coach. Yeah, and like I knew him before the show. I used to. My parents really liked this show called Early Edition, where oh yeah, he would get like there was this. I think it was like a cat that was supernatural because the cat was always there. I don't remember what but it was. He gets he a would paper get a day Chicago before. Paper a day before, yeah. and then he would try to stop this murder, this accident, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember him from that. But yeah, reverse quantum coach. leap. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty much Quantum Leap. And I love Quantum Leap, too. So I, yeah. I'm a sucker for those kind of shows. But I knew him from that. But in this, and, like, I've read the book, Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. before this. I thought it was a really good book. I, I liked the movie. The movie wasn't great. But just something about this TV show. And I think part of it is my dad is one of the greatest people in the world. Nicest, just a wonderful human being. He was a coach. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to my sister about this before because she loves it, too. So much of this thing reminds us of growing up mm-hmm. because we would have students come by all the time. Right. Um, there's one episode where he's mad at the team because they're getting an ego and he makes them go out at like two in the morning in the rain and run up and down hills. And I remember the famous story of my dad mad at them because they didn't do well at a meet. He um, stops the bus like a mile out of town and makes them run to their cars. Hmm. Um, and like think we can get away with that today? Well, I mean, like, he didn't leave them. No, 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 I know. No, he probably couldn't. I don't think so either. Yeah, but I mean, like, he actually followed them in the bus. Right. Like, he made them run that last mile because they, he's like, if you're not going to try at the meet, you're going to try here. Let's see how fast you can run. (laughs) And, you know, the other thing is just be, and like, the show, if you haven't seen it, like, it's this fly on the wall kind of thing. Um, my younger daughter, Addison, had to get used to, the way they film it because it's shot in this way where the camera's always moving, but it gives you this feeling of you're there. You are a part of this. You're this spirit hanging around seeing these people's lives. And when you get into the Taylor's family and see, you know, the daughter with the parents who love each other and are like very close, it reminded me of my family. This is Mm -hmm. what I grew up. Um, We weren't a football crazy town. We were a basketball crazy town, but I grew up in this small town in Illinois, uh, Quincy, you know, big basketball town, everything like that. So much of that just reminds me of my childhood and my um, parents Mm -hmm. and my dad and everything like that. And then again, what we talked about, he has a daughter and there's one episode where his daughter is about to go off to college and there's just this um, scene. And I still remember I, it was right when my daughter was, my oldest daughter, Lily, was going to kindergarten. I had so much more trouble with it than my wife did. Even though I was working and she was with her more, I had such a trouble. And it was like two days before, and I'm downstairs. And throughout the show, the two, like the daughter and the um, father play ping pong. And they're playing, and he just stops and looks at her. He goes, I'm so going to miss this. Oh, my God. I cried so hard at that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I went upstairs and, like, hugged my, you know. Come here. Like, yeah, what's wrong with you? But, you know, just that feeling, like, I understand, you know. Yeah. That's. So, yeah, definitely Eric Taylor's my number one. We definitely have hit on, and I know I still have my number one, but we definitely have hit on what we talked about at the beginning of this episode as to why we don't have females on the list. It has nothing to do with not finding females inspirational. It's these A lot of these moments are dad moments. Yeah, and I could definitely, like, if you said, give me five females right now, I could do it easily. Oh, yeah. You know, there's tons. So it's like, yeah, it's nothing that has to do with sexism or anything like that. It's just... I could talk about Hermione Granger or Katniss or Wonder Woman or, yeah, you name it, I could talk about them. You know, I could could rank five right now. But this is is specific to us. So, um, that's, I mean... I, you might have another more Ryan answer right there, too, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is a more Steve answer, too, for my number one. And I don't think my number one's going to surprise you very much. Because we have talked about the dad stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's the ultimate dad, right? When you think about this guy, all you can think about is how great he treats his family. And that's Peter Griffin. I'm kidding. It's not. It's not Peter Griffin. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> no, it's not Peter Griffin. 
Um, no, it is. Um, it's not a dad, but it's a. It's another character who treats the people around him um, in a way that is so. Um, I don't know. They, they like nobody deserves to be this guy's friend because he's just so good. You know what I mean? And it's Samwise Gamgee. I'm not going to go too much into Samwise Gamgee because I spent three episodes like bowing at his feet. Um, but you know, it's kind of how I see myself or how I want to see myself when my closest friends need something, whether it's to be, you know, you've broken up with a girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, you just had a rough day at work or, you know, you're sitting there on, you're sitting there on the floor contemplating whether you can keep going on with life. I want to be that person that is like, I'm going to put you on my shoulder. I'm going to carry you up this mountain. Let's go. You know, I have talked about in the past about with my therapist, especially about uh, seeing myself as the kind of person and she, and she actually thinks this was a detriment in some ways, but I, I tend to disagree with her. I, I think she was very smart on a lot of things, but I'm going to disagree with her here. Um, I always said that I would follow my closest friends into the darkest pits of hell and I would drag them right back out of it. Even if they didn't want to come back out, I'd drag them back out. And I mean, again, we're not going to belabor the point, but literally Samwise does that, you know? He follows Frodo into the darkest pit of, of, of Middle Earth and literally picks him up and carries him, you know? Um, and that's just kind of how I've always wanted to see myself as a friend to people. You know, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, when, when the, the stones are written, you know, father, friend, husband, boyfriend, whatever you want to say, I want all those things on the list because I'm willing to to do whatever I have to do for those people, just like Sam did. Mm-hmm. So not a surprise there, I don't think. Yeah, and you know, as the person that I think that you are very close friend, you are like a Sam to me. You know, I know I could always trust you, and if I ever needed you, I know that all I'd have to do is call. It doesn't matter if it's three in the morning; you'd be there. So yeah, I um, mean. I see you as that way if that makes you feel better. Well, it does make me feel better, you know? It makes me feel good. I have been that I have been that person, you know? I have been that person who's taken a phone call at uh at God only knows what time it was and and spent God only knows how many hours helping someone get through something that I don't think either one of us ever expected. Mm-hmm. You know? Um it's it's a weird feeling in some ways, but I credit that to my to my wanting to to view myself like I view him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of glad that I'm able to do that. Uh, my therapist often said that that was uh, that I had to be careful how many how many cuts and scrapes I got along the way. Yes, um, but. I always told her I wouldn't care because I would just go back and do it again, just like he did. He didn't care how many cuts and scrapes he got, you mm-hmm. know, and he didn't. I I think there was a part of Samwise, and I think we talked about this in our Lord of the Rings episodes, where there was a part in at some point in those three books that Samwise just said, hey, I know I'm not coming back from this, but I'm going to make sure Frodo gets it done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what that's what we want to do, so... Again, not going to belabor the point, but that's my number one. Very, yeah, very true to your point. I wasn't sure if um, Clark Griswold was going to make your list or not. He's on my alternates list. <laughs> I, I <knew> <laughs> that's where I thought you were going when you're like, he's a family man. He'd do anything. Like, yep, here's Clark <laughs> Griswold. No, but he is on my family. He, he is on my honorable mentions list. I've got five on my honorable mentions list, which are kind of interesting. And Clark Griswold is one of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I like I said, if I was doing more of not me, um, Katniss would be on it. One that I wanted to put on it, but it's just too hard right now. Maybe as years pass, it'll be easier, but it's too hard to um, separate him and the and the actor. It's Cliff Huxtable. Yeah. You know, uh, if we would have done this 
when was it that we found out about this? Like five years ago? We'll go with five years ago because it's a round number. I don't remember. Yeah, but let's say you know it was five years ago. If I if we would have done this seven years ago, he'd have been on. He might have made. Yeah, he probably would have made my list. Yeah, um, and it's still a great character, but the character and the actor are too closely entwined that you know you can't really separate it without thinking of the actor himself. Right. No, I agree. Um, my it's interesting because my five are, and I'll just toss them out here: Atticus Finch, which you already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest Gump, because I, okay. I love history, and to have been at all of those historical mo- moments, that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark Griswold, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but then I've got two that might surprise people: uh, Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of Christmas Carol. Uh, you know okay. he he always keeps Christmas in his heart, and you know lived a great rest of his life. And one that he's not an inspiration, but I'll be damned if most men don't wish he was an inspiration. Don't wish we were able to have him as an inspiration. And uh, it's it's uh, it's the dude. It's the dude. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think all of us at some at some level of our heart and soul want to be the dude. Yes. Who doesn't want to be the dude? <laughs> so he's on my list, but he obviously is not an inspiration of mine that I can fulfill. Is, is it okay if I want to be Walter instead? Shut the fuck up, Donnie! <laughs> you want a toe? You want the toe, dude? I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe right, a toe right now. This Donnie is, oh, or not Donnie? Walter is such a good character. Yeah, like um, you know, we're doing. I was talking to somebody. It was my. Um, daughter, and we're talking about like the best Coen Brothers characters. I'm like, oh. mine could just be John Goodman characters. They really could be. You can't limit me to just one. So no, no. Although I'm gonna have to stick. I mean, if you're doing that, it's gonna have to be at the top of the list. Is Walter? I love yeah, Walter. It, if I had to pick just one John Goodman, it'd have to be him. Yeah. I mean, this is not picking Raising Arizona or right. Um, is I love his little role in um, Oh Brother, even though he's not a good person in that. Um, Nobody's role is fantastic. Yeah, he's great in Barton Fink, so yeah, yep. everything like that. Now, when you're talking about this is what every man wants to be, I'm like, oh, please don't say Tyler Durden. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, if I was going to go with something like that, it would have been more like, uh, oh, let's see. Well, he's not really fi- – well it- – could I go with a fictionalized account of a real character? What's that? Um, Leonidas. Okay. Everybody wants to look like that, don't you? I mean... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I could look like Gerard Butler in that movie. But, yeah, so I did this with my um, daughter, and some of the people she was thinking about was Amy Dunn from Gone Girl and um, the bride from Kill Bill. I'm like... Any boyfriend she has, watch it. All right, so <laughs> we're going to have to have a discussion. I've got a good therapist, and I'll, <laughs> I'll pass you my name. No, I'm saying, okay, you got that. I am woman, hear me roar, but oh, man, yeah. don't have any guy screw you over. You will murder them. Was number three Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my daughter. Oh, okay. So, so they're both, any any guy that they've dated are boned. Any, any, any relationship, either one of them is boned. Yep, exactly. Um, but I, I think this started as a podcast, and it kind of ended us burying our souls and having a, you know, this kind was, of psychiatric uh, session here. <laughs> this was one of our deepest podcasts, wasn't it? I think it was hands mm-hmm. down the deepest podcast. Yeah. Uh, we promise we'll try to be a little bit lighter next time. But I if, mean, we weren't talking about, like, death no. and everything. No, we weren't. <laughs> We just hope that you listen to this and hug your kids closer. Tell your loved one that you love them. Yeah, and it, you know, tell your loved ones you love them. If you've got those friends out there who you really care about, reach out to them and say, "Hey, you know, I miss you. I want to tell you, you know, don't 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 be afraid." And I think that's what every one of these characters. I'm going to harken back to my Goofy, right? Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to tell your friends you love them because yeah, all five of mine. 
are yeah. in touch with their feelings. Exactly. Don't be afraid, man. Just reach out there and say, you know, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I want to let you know I love you, you know? There's nothing wrong oh. with that. And, and it's 2020, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of messed up shit going on in this world, and a lot of people could hear those words. Yep. Well, I love you, and I love miss you. Love you too, man. And I'm not doing well with uh, not seeing you again. And I know. I'm thinking of ways to kidnap you. Hey, uh, yeah, about that. Um, just swing by anytime, and we'll just go. Well, when I saw you on Saturday, I'm like, I'm going to get in front of the car and make him get in mine. <laughs> yeah, because your daughter has our, our theater class right after my daughter. Yeah. And I saw so you I pull saw. in, and I was like, oh, I want to get out of the car. I'm like pawing at the window. <laughs> We're like five feet away from each other. It's just right there. <laughs> but I couldn't get there. So, yeah, uh, yeah so... That's the end of this one. We'll try to be a little bit lighter in the next one. Maybe have some fun with it. Uh, I although I did have fun with this one too. It's 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 good to think. it's good to see you know these inspirational moments and and talk about those as well. So, and twenty twenty um, needs it. Twenty twenty needs it. So uh, if if there's a, a message from tonight's episode, it's you know reach out to the people you love, tell them you love them. You know, don't and be then, afraid to another, show it. Another thing I say, and I say this to my students all the time, I say. I don't really follow anything. I'm not going to give you lessons, but I'm like, if you follow one thing, I want you to follow Bill and Ted. Be excellent excellent to each other. Yep. So, and on that note, I'm Steve. I'm Ryan. And we'll talk to you later.